Worshippers, <laughs> I'm excited. We have our friend back, Caleb Barrow. Say hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and uh, we've just had a really good conversation so far um, about church planting. Mm-hmm. And so and then it got interrupted. Oh yeah, <laughs> by a, a couple weeks. But no, we're back. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. A surprise birthday party. So. <laughs> It was a good reason to, uh, it was a good <laughs> and I, yeah, I guess just tell the listeners that Caleb and I were recording a podcast and I was so engrossed in it that I didn't hear or realize there's 30 something people parking their cars outside. Cause you know, we're downstairs and, 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 and walking around and there's kids and dogs running around. Like I didn't think anything of it. It was perfect. I was so focused. And then well, we, we the go upstairs and a room full of people. Yeah, uh, it was I was perfect. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Birthday. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, so to continue that, uh, maybe just remind people a little of who you are and why should we listen to you about church planting? Probably shouldn't. That's the one, the one key thing. No, but seriously, there are a lot of days like I feel like I've done this for how many years now? I've been involved in church like four or five years, like with an internship in the neighborhood. It's so small. And I feel like I know very, very little. So about to jump into a, a new church planning opportunity, hopefully in Kansas, central Kansas. And there's a deep sense of, I have so, so much to learn. I'm really glad there's people that can coach me in that. Um, but yeah, that's what I feel God doing in my life, calling me to continue doing ministry, church planting particularly. And there's something really unique about that and how God works. So Photos. <laughs> That's where we cut it out right here. Yeah, yeah, cut. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Was I was listening. I just uh, got a little distracted by Rachel. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's good. That's how it goes. Okay. So I think that's a good heart to have um, that you know, not being too prideful thinking you have all the answers because I think being a, you know, a young person myself and really just wanting to go at a project or a mission, something I've been entrusted with, go at it real hard. I think the danger in being prideful and, and young <laughs> could be that like, oh, I'm I'm fresh out of the gate. Like I know what I'm doing or I have really good ideas that will yeah. transform everything. Yep. And then the last um, conversation we were having about this, we kind of talked about um, the pros and cons of a formula, like that a formula can help provide structure and guidance and wisdom mm-hmm. from people who've gone before us. But then also we don't want to have a formula to the point where we take people out of the equation or yeah. spirit out of the equation. Yeah. And so do you want to speak more into like the spirit of God? Yeah, that's a really because there is so much that people have put together who have done this before little dynamics and shifts like um, the percentage of the number of seats that should be left open for things to continue having a sense of growth. Like it's almost to the point that it becomes like so minimum, like uh, scientific and to the dot. Yeah, exactly. That it almost feels like it's uh, 
deadening something, but there's trying to recognize that God actually works through a lot of those particulars and planning well and being organized and not being naive about certain um, aspects of those dynamics. But at the end of the day, it made me think of, this is what was coming to mind, was Francis Schaeffer. He has a quote where he says, the, the biggest challenge the church faces today, he's like, it's not secularism, it's not like Marxism, it's not modernism or postmodernism or all these other isms that are challenging maybe Christian thought today. He says, it's the biggest challenge is the people of God trying to do the work of God without the spirit of God. It's like, is that, is that really the biggest problem that we're facing today? I'm like, I think that's true. And I think he asks further that if God and his spirit stepped away from what we were doing, would we notice it? Would we notice his absence? Or do we just get so used to our own formula and the way we do things in X, Y, and Z that I've set up in my own capacity that I wouldn't know if the spirit wasn't there. So much so that prayer becomes the obvious perfunctory thing that we're supposed to do. Like, of course we're praying. It's a church plan, but it's like, actually, do I really believe that we live or die by the spirit being with us in prayer? And I really want to approach it in that attitude. Like I want to, I want to be surprised by your spirit. I want to be doing this in such a way that we leave room for you, oh God, to do things that otherwise would not be able to happen if you did not intervene. And that probably means us having to step out on an edge and like be caught by God and actually give him the opportunity to reveal himself by our faith and showing that like, well, we can't do this on our own. We need you to intervene here. And so that's a little bit scary, <laughs> a lot of bit scary, but that's where it's really exciting too to think about God coming by his spirit. Yeah, I think um, just seeking the Lord, inquiring the Lord, when you're in st- like in ministry or parenting or church planting or whatever we're talking about, when you're in step with the Spirit, you really can't go wrong. That's mm-hmm. the best place to be. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't seeking Him and inquiring Him um, and inviting Him as He's invited us, um, you can't go wrong being in yeah. step with the Spirit. Yeah, that's really true. And there's a sense I think we get lost in that because we're rightly teaching today that the spirit is involved in our everyday things like washing the dishes and, and just the, like those practical elements of being rightly organized and having meetings and setting things up. The spirit works through our preparation and the things that we do. God's working in that. But sometimes I think we begin to assume that so much that we, we don't expect or ask for the spirit or inquire him because, oh yeah, God's already at work and we know we're planning this. We're do- clearly, but no, is our heart really submitted to him? Are we really inquiring of him and asking and recognizing, like Jesus says, I can do nothing apart from you, God. I can do nothing apart from you. If you're not with me, this is going to be fruitless. Um, we can do all the work we want, but if this is not built on him, um, it's going to fall. Yeah. And I think, and that's how sin works too, isn't it? Um, even in pride, for instance, you know, being a leader and starting something new, Mm -hmm. you may think it's revolutionary or something. I don't know, but, um, in pride and in, in our sin, we're choosing ourselves and and it's our agenda that's at the center. It's what we think will work. It's what we think. It's what we think. And our preferences and those things, um, I think you can really tell if a ministry is Christ-centered or not, you yeah. know, and the fruit that comes from that. And in, in today's 
age, there's so much social media. There's such a push for marketing yeah. and um, all of those things. And I think those are tools to be used. Yeah. Right. And we we make them what they can be, good or bad. Yep. Um, I think, though, there is a danger in that we can get sucked up into it, even for Christian artists. You know, yeah. the angle I'm coming from as well is just really we got to seek the Lord on on how central does this need to be Lord? What, what agenda do you have? And that's where that's like a work that only he can really do in us of rooting out the self in us (laughs) because I I think we can, yeah, I know that I'm supposed to pick up my cross and follow him. Uh, It's supposed to not, it's supposed to be about me. Great. I've realized that, but how do I get me out of this equation? Like I can, okay, how do I suddenly be humble? Okay, I'm going to be humble in that. But that only really happens as God puts us through suffering, puts us through really difficult circumstances. And in the midst of that, we start to yearn more and more for like, I don't want me to be in the center of this. That's where my heart gets shifted. It's like I've actually been living off of me for a while now. And I'm starting to taste this is not very fulfilling or good. And in that, he starts to work a desire more for him so that it's then not like me at the center of the marketing, me at the center of the church plant. Because that's where it does get twisted. I still have a lot of selfish ambition in me. It makes me think of one. There's a great group of church planets called Acts 29. They're phenomenal. They're doing amazing stuff all over the world. But when it was first beginning, they got accused of being called A29 because it was just a bunch of arrogant 29-year-olds. You know? <gasps> it's like all these uh, you know, young guys coming in thinking they're going to change the world. It's, right, yeah. It was partly true, but they're such a good great. I really respect a lot of what they're doing around the world. But I have to look at myself in that too and say, how much is this driven by Caleb, you wanting to be legit and known and epic? And there's a lot of that still there. And also recognizing I don't have the ability to suddenly scoop out that selfish ambition out of myself. I can't do it. I'd really like to get rid of it suddenly. (laughs) You can't do it. And I have to just submit to God slowly working that out of me. It's like, okay. And you know how to do that. And, because we've been able to do a lot of music ministry together and in yep. the church plant that you were a part of. And one song that comes to mind as you're speaking about this is Abide by mm-hmm. House Fires, right? And I remember so that <laughs> that song just being, I really think, really crucial for our church body mm-hmm. in that time. Mm-hmm. He is the source. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to stay right here. Um, and there is, there's something about that song that really, it's, it's simple in the way that it talks about God being our treasure too. And that's why I'm not going anywhere. The branch and the vine. Yes. Like, mm. uh, yep. You're the branch. You could sing I'm us the branch, a little too. If you <laughs> yeah. And I think that was really needed for my own heart to sing. I need to go back to that one. I almost picked that for this Sunday. Yeah. It's always a good yeah. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good memory. Yeah. Um, so I have a question and because I want this, I want us to encourage one another in these endeavors. Mm -hmm. I don't identify as a church planter or those things. And, and, you know, so I'm learning more about the culture and expectations and how apparently, you know, you know, people are being trained and sent out and, and I've learned some of those things from you. And, um, but one of my questions is, um, can church plants really fail how do you define failure and is that a bit harsh like are we saying that 
we failed because we, you know, stepped off of the road from where God wanted us to be, that we are abiding in him, that we, mm. we didn't listen. Is failure a harsh word to use? I know each case might be a bit different, but what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I think there's a lot of people when you're doing a church plant, like you're giving everything mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I want to encourage people in that. So yep. what's the balance and what word would you use instead? Or, Yeah, I think it, it is trying to capture something and it doesn't quite work, you know, because even for church plants that don't keep going, if you will, that uh, end up closing doors and not gathering anymore, that doesn't mean if we say they failed that they didn't accomplish something or God didn't use them. And I know of a church that... I think it met, I think back in like 2012, it got planted and was meeting for about five or six years. And then they stopped meeting like they had to close the church plant. It failed, if you will, in those terms. And so it's trying to recognize in some way, what do we say about a church that uh, was planted and then didn't work out as in we, we didn't want it to only go for three, four, five, six years. We want to go to like 50, 60, 100 years. That's that's the goal for this to be longer but if God's life cycle is a lot shorter than that and he still uses that to humble, grow, challenge people, that's totally within his plan. So I think there is something reductionistic about calling church plants that don't ultimately have a longer life a total failure because God's doing what he wants with them. But it's challenging to find a term to capture. What do we what do we say about those that didn't well, keep going? Well, if it's planted, yeah. can we say I don't know if it's uprooted. It's been yeah. weeded out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what what, what failure, gardening word can we use? Failure is such a strong, it is. like total encompassing word that's difficult to use. Because for. if I was in that position, I'd really have to guard myself against lies from Satan. Yeah. It would really, he'd be really attacking me in that. Yep. And to call it and label it a failure, I just, I'm like, that's not helpful. Yeah. And th- the other part of it, this, um, is there's such an orientation around numbers and growth. Like we, we want to have a lot of people. And so if we don't have a ton of people, then we're failing. Um, and then at the other side of the spectrum, I know Tim Keller is one that draws this out. Well, we have churches that really talk about, it's not about numbers. It's about faithfulness. Just be faithful, keep doing things in and out. Um, don't give up. And that's what God really looks for. You know, well done, good and faithful servant. But I think there's an in-between metric that Tim Keller draws out. That's really right. Are we fruitful? We bring fruitful and it's not necessarily about having the biggest church, like the most numbers, but it's also not just about being faithful and keep doing the same things because God's called us to be fruitful. I think that means, yes, people being transformed by Jesus. That means people growing up in him, maturing, caring for the poor, the orphans, the widows. That's being fruitful and we should keep that a goal and actually hold one another accountable. We're trying to do this. And just to exist, just to exist is not a, not what we're about. Um, we actually want to be fruitful. So trying to use some metric that's healthy and not too reductionistic um, and that we also don't hide behind it. <laughs>